Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Reading today is from Luke 22, 14 through 20. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The word of God for the people of God. Um, and the time has come, uh, Reverend, Pastor, Kendra, we welcome you this morning. Uh, if we could just um, pray a quick prayer over you this morning. God, we thank you uh, for the messenger this morning. May your spirit fall upon her and may it be given to open hearts and not deaf ears. May it guide us into a new direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Wow, Jill, thank you for that song and for the gift of your voice. I've not heard that song before and the words are felt um, palpable and invites us all to um, make decisions and choices that support us as one and thriving. So thank you for that. Thank you, Pastors Henra and Darcy for inviting me to this moment to share with Park Avenue. And Park Avenue, thank you to those that have joined um, on Zoom as well as those that have joined um, via streaming. Welcome to this moment. Before I dive into this sermonic presentation, I want to invite us all in this moment to take a pause and simply reflect, recognize, and honor those that have come before us to bring us into this moment. Whether it is those that are in your ancestry or those that have been a supportive 
presence, particularly during these times. Let us take a moment to feel their presence. I want you to notice how this acknowledgement and recognition resonates in your body in this moment. Do you feel a level of stabilizing or grounding or even calm in this moment as you reflect? As you check in with yourself, do you feel more connected to yourself and to those that are joining virtually through your reflection? We want to remember as we experience this moment together that we honor our support as it shows up and we can always check in with this support throughout this moment and beyond this moment. As we discuss today, decolonizing atonement. In late September, I traveled to Asheville, North Carolina to attend a five-day ancestralization training with shaman Maladoma Somme. I learned about Maladoma's work in seminary through books like The Healing Wisdom of Africa or Ritual or Of Water and Spirit. So it was a treat to have the opportunity to meet him in person and glean from his wisdom. Maladoma is of the Dagara tribe of Burkina Faso in West Africa. In their culture, it is believed that one does not become an ancestor simply because they took their last breath in this life. They believe that those who die can only be empowered in the spirit world through a ritual process facilitated by their living family members. In this ancestralization training, each participant was asked to ancestralize a male and female ancestor. I ancestralized my maternal grandfather and grandmother. The Dagara believe that prior to this ritual process taking place, the ancestors are left wandering in the wilderness. And it is through this process of ancestralization that they experience being found, revived, informed, and venerated in power. Throughout this process, multiple animal sacrifices were made as it is believed that animals have a stronger connection to the spirit world. We all stood in a circle when the last sacrifice was made in honor for the animal and in thanksgiving for the animal. And while we stood in this circle, in the middle stood one of our leaders who rhythmically tapped with the knife used for the sacrifice on a rock, as well as spoke with, as we all spoke with a sense of urgency about what was happening in this world and why their support was necessary. The tapping of the knife was instrumental as it is believed in the Dagara culture that when our loved ones cross over, they lose the rhythm of this world. And they find their way back to our world through the rhythm. I wonder what new rhythms this season has called us to adapt to and what rhythms have been disrupted by this moment that are calling for us to pivot with power.
As you might imagine, this ritual process was powerful and transformative. Ever since this experience, I have been thinking about the concept of sacrifice as it relates to atonement theology. I'm looking forward to the response because I would love for you all to think with me about how atonement looks in the traditional sense, as well as what I'm inviting all of us to think through in this moment. I've been thinking about the ways we have lost our collective rhythm as so many indigenous communities, communities given diverse geographic locations have experienced genocide. This doctrine of atonement in the Christian tradition purports that the reconciliation between God and humankind was accomplished through the life, suffering, and death of Christ. I was taught this in Sunday school and believed strongly within my adolescence and early adulthood that this one person, Jesus, bore all of my sins and had me in mind when he was executed on the cross. Consequently, I was to honor his sacrifice by accepting him as my Lord and Savior, which would cover all of my sins and allow me to enter into heaven. Into my early adulthood, I started asking hard questions like, if Jesus was supposed to atone for my sins, why does sin still exist in the world? If Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, why do other people's bodies keep getting sacrificed in our world, whether from disparities within the healthcare system, police brutality, chronic poverty, systemic racism, and the list goes on. Can one individual really save the whole world or does salvation happen in community? Does atonement take the sacrifice of the body, the sacrifice of thoughts and constructs or both? The challenge I have with the traditional model of atonement is that it makes no room to see it as an ongoing process and a work to be done within community for the health and wholeness of the community. The traditional model of atonement is rooted in the Old Testament and involves God giving God's self to the people and the people uniting with God, restoring the broken relationship between humanity and God because of sin. Leviticus 16 captures the high priest going to make sacrifice at the tabernacle for himself his family, and for the entire community of Israel. The thought here is that the high priest purifies himself and his family because his sacrifice on behalf of the people. It was believed that God looked for the purity of the high priest on behalf of the whole community that he represented. This way, divine judgment is fulfilled and the barrier of sin between God and humanity is removed. This model of atonement in contemporary times is steeped in capitalistic patriarchal trappings that keep our society in the tailspin of looking for a savior outside of ourselves. Engaging in a level of martyrdom that only perpetuates the cycle of dying and blinds us from seeing the active role we must all take to affect change in ourselves and in the world. Just a few weeks ago, I was holding a spiritual direction session with a client who is a pastor. And like many pastors, particularly in this time, 
it's feeling stretched too thin. I was led to ask her, what does the life of Jesus teach you in this moment? What does the life of Jesus teach you in this moment? I felt the question was an offering from the divine to help her see herself more clearly. Her response was like an aha moment and she offered, I don't want to be a martyr. I don't want to die. I don't wanna be a martyr. I don't want to die. The doctrine of atonement is centered in death and dying. Rather than the ultimate reason, Jesus informs us that his presence was purposed for in John 10, 10, that they may have life and life more abundantly. The magnification of this torturous execution and its centerpiece within American democracy, given our putative way of upholding law and order, only perpetuates the path of more death and dying. Colonized atonement looks like mass incarceration. As predominantly black and brown bodies are placed in pseudo rehabilitation coffins to atone often for drug offenses. In Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, she offers that black men are arrested for drug offenses that white men are barely apprehended for, which leads to the vast number of black men being arrested. The U.S. Sentencing Commission report on recidivism among federal prisoners released in 2019 reported that within three years of people being released, two out of three are re-arrested and more than 50% of people are incarcerated again. Colonized atonement looks like the perpetual gunning down of black and brown bodies by law enforcement. Colonized atonement carries the frequency of fear. And for many, it is imbued with a supremacist consciousness that places one culture over another. This supremacist consciousness pertains to whether you're placing race over another or ethnicity over another or religion over another. And it even finds itself within various caste systems around the world. Colonized atonement looks like the increasing rate of suicide amongst pastors. The state of pastors report from Barner Group found that among pastors of churches with declining attendance, 62% experienced depression. In a recent CDC report, suicide has reached a 50 year old high in the country and pastors are within these numbers as we remember the life of Pastor Jared Wilson of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, who was also a mental health advocate who completed suicide last year. Who does the priest turn to when they are in need of being reconciled within themselves? Often pastors suffer in silence because they don't believe they have anyone to turn to. Colonized atonement models for us how we uphold and balance of the imbalance of being the martyr and holding space for everyone else but ourselves. Who makes a sacrifice when the priest is depleted? How do we disrupt colonized atonement? How do we decolonize it? I believe the Last Supper offers tools for disruption. 
One thing evident within the Last Supper is that Jesus was clear that sacrifice was necessary. According to Webster, sacrifice is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Jesus's living teaches me that it is important to challenge traditional models of engaging the divine. His life also invites us to see the divine in ourselves and our neighbors. In New Thought Christianity, Jesus is not an exception, but an example of what it means to live out our humanity. I believe decolonizing atonement looks like us each inviting ourselves for a moment to consider ourselves as a Christ. Metaphysically, it is believed that Christ abides in each individual as an embodiment of divinity as Christ is not simply a being or a person, but a state of consciousness. This is why I believe in Philippians 2, 5 through 6, that it offers, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Decolonized atonement embraces the divinity within each individual, and their capacity to bring healing into our world. Colonized atonement often keeps us resistant to seeing the brilliance of our divinity and our agency to activate just as Jesus activated our own miraculous presence. In order to decolonize atonement, we must decolonize our minds and sacrifice thoughts, traditions, and behaviors that no longer aid us in aligning with the frequency of miracle and divinity vibrating within us. This way of sacrifice is continuous and ever evolving. It is not a one-time thing. Healing unfolds in layers with each new level of insight and awareness. There is always something that we're picking up in our evolution and there will always be things that we must shed and sacrifice from each new point higher in our evolution. The Last Supper teaches us that atonement cannot be done detached from community. Before we delved into this sermon, we were all invited to recognize and honor those who came before us and even those that support us in this now moment to help us live and be present in this now experience. To acknowledge that we are because of them, which is the African philosophy of Ubuntu. This non-Western ideology rejects the notion of individualism it posits that one's sense of self is shaped by their relationship with other people. Kenyan scholar James Ogude expressed that Ubuntu is rooted in what I call a relational form of personhood, basically meaning that you are because of the others. In other words, as a human being, you, your humanity, your personhood, you are fostered in relation to other people end quote. Ubuntu promotes restorative justice and a community-centered ethos. I believe there was someone in Jesus' in Jesus's lineage that made it possible for him to be present, whether it was his mother Mary for her willingness to bore him, 
or grandmother or grandfather, five generations removed. It is in this acknowledgement of Ubuntu that we honor Jesus's words, that he took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Nowhere in these statements does Jesus say, this is the first and last body given for you. Or this is the first and last cup poured for you to make a new covenant. I say this to invite us all to consider that each day we are all invited to give up our bodies and enter into new covenant with ourselves and our neighbors in ways that constantly call us to meet ourselves anew and align us with our divinity, our highest good, and invite our neighbors to do the same in the process. The wisdom teachings I offer only manifest because in life, like many of you, I've survived heart and hardships, heartbreak and abuses, adverse childhood experiences, and other circumstances in life that have pushed me to sacrifice maladaptive thoughts and unhealthy ego, thoughts of scarcity and limitation on a daily basis in an effort to practice Christ. Some of our bodies are broken through diseases and illnesses. Some on recovery to better health through exercise as muscles are torn and rebuilt, while others' bodies are broken through navigating mental health vulnerabilities and making a commitment each day to thrive and align with your own wholeness. Still, there are other bodies that are broken through being first responders in the midst of global pandemics. A decolonized atonement honors and centers the sacrifice each community member makes to contribute to the wholeness of themselves and their neighbors. Decolonized atonement recognizes the sacredness of mutuality and understands that to take care of the self is to take care of the community. And to take care of the community is to take care of the self. Decolonized atonement recognizes that the blood given exists on a neurological level and informs the cyclical effects of historical and transgenerational trauma. Historical or transgenerational trauma is a legacy of past traumatic events, much like slavery or forced migration or genocide or racial or religious persecution and systemic attempts at cultural annihilation that generations experience. Transgenerational trauma lies within the nervous system of every individual and is often triggered unconsciously regardless of ethnicity, sexual orientation, faith, or ability. Decolonized atonement looks like the prioritized engagement of healing cumulative psychological and emotional wounding. As many of us are holding ways of thinking, being, and living detrimental to our evolution on a soul level because what we hold is generational and as a result of choices made by our four 
parents, those who came before us. Maladoma Somay within our ancestralization training made the joke multiple times that the United States has a backlog of ancestors waiting to be empowered. When we engage in the sacred work of ancestral veneration and healing our family lines through ritual and attending our emotional and psychological wounds as it relates to all the isms, we free up the generations before us and the generations to come for we are the embodiment of our ancestors. And when we heal, they heal. In each new day, we are given an opportunity to create a world we all can thrive in. Thriving happens in community. Decolonized atonement requires communal effort that values the divinity within each human who engage in the daily sacrifice of releasing the things that do not serve us in an effort to align with something more whole and more life-giving. It is time for us all to examine the ways we've been practicing colonized atonement and contributing to our own metaphorical dying. What are the perceptions and behaviors that need to be sacrificed in order for you to align with the wholeness that resides in you? It is also important that we acknowledge and celebrate the sacrifices of the body and blood that those who came before us made and that we make to contribute to the wellness of our communities. We must take the time to fill our cups through affirmation and acknowledgement so we can continue to pour out to those the divine is calling us to in this season. Lastly, how can we all be more intentional about healing our transgenerational trauma, which resides in us on a neurological level? Does this look like more engagement in anti-racism work? Does it look like finding a somatic experience practitioner or engaging in kundalini yoga? Does it look like creating an ancestral shrine and supporting your ancestors and healing through their racist and patriarchal ideologies as you heal through your own? Decolonized atonement understands that there is a multitude of ways to support ourselves and our communities. We are each called to engage in pathways to healing and wholeness in an effort to participate in a communal atonement that empowers all within the community to sacrifice in ways that push us all to live life and life more abundantly. Ashe and amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.